Hello, and welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, February 24th, 2018, we're continuing our series titled Walk This Way from 2 Timothy. Today's sermon, Approved and Honorable, is going to be taught to us by Pastor Thomas Slager from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 21. We hope you enjoy. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Thank you so much for the family that you have given to us. Why is Dad giving the guy a blanket? Hold the door for Grandma Jay. Thank you. I got you. I got you. We thank you for the privilege that we have of serving you and to be disciples. I'm so sorry, baby girl. Let's try again, okay? Go ahead and ease it forward. It's okay. Let's go. Come on. I got you. Good job. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. You guys enjoyed the snow this week? Kind of weird, wasn't it? Um, we actually went sledding in Rio Verde on Friday. Um, we dropped the boys off at school. I wish now we wouldn't have. I wish we would have brought the whole crew. Um, but we brought Audrey and went sledding. And then afterwards, we went to this store over by Kierlin called Girly Girls. You've heard of this store? Um, I wanted to go to Cabela's, and I lost that one. We went to Girly Girls. Um, it was fun. Audrey's birthday was last week, so we got her some presents. She wanted some nail, some super glittery nail polish with ponies and stuff on it, so we ended up getting that. Um, and on the way out, I saw these big Beanie Babies. Remember Beanie Babies? No? Okay. That's how this works. We talk. Um, these, these Beanie Babies, they're super bedazzled and cool-looking things. And I remembered the story from when I was growing up, because my family was Beanie Baby crazy. We were one of those, like, first in line at McDonald's when the teeny Beanie Babies came out, and, and, and we're trading and selling online and doing that whole deal. Um, and it got to the point where these little dolls were selling for so much money that my parents told us, if we sell all the Beanie Babies, we will go to Disney World. And we're like, well, I don't like the things that much, so let's sell these deals. Um, looking back on it, Selling your Beanie Babies doesn't exactly get you enough to get to Disney World, um, but my parents no longer wanted to do the Beanie Baby thing, so they bribed us. So we went and sold all of these Beanie Babies, and we ended up going on a Disney cruise. Um, it was super fun. We were all still really young. I think my older brother might have been 12 at the time. I was nine, and then six and three. So we're a pretty young family. Um, not a whole lot of manners, four boys going on a cruise. So we did this whole thing. My mom was going to teach us cruise manners because we had to behave the right way if we were going to go on a fancy cruise. So she'd set up fancy dinners over the course of the few months before the trip, and she'd put out all the plates. You know what I'm talking about? Like too many plates to the point where you're like, what do I do here? Do I go inside out with the forks? Do I go outside in with the forks? What's with all the cups? You're not giving me anything other than water, so why'd you give me special cups? Like, I don't understand what's happening here. And they taught us all the manners, the please, the thank yous, the, the push your mom's seat in, the napkin on the lap, and the whole deal so that we would be ready for the cruise, so we would act accordingly, so our behavior would be right, and we would be honorable um, because it was, the cruise was an honorable thing to go on. Now, I say that because this morning we're looking at something where when it comes to being in the family of God, much like going on a cruise, there's acceptable behavior. 
There's things that God sees as acceptable and God thinks as honorable and and things that God sees as unacceptable and God sees as dishonorable. So this morning, we're going to look at um, two things. The first thing we're going to look at is this idea of being an approved worker. And we're going to ask the question, what does an approved worker do? The second thing we're going to look at, uh, Paul talks about honorable vessels. So we're going to look at what is an honorable vessel and what do honorable vessels do. So let's look at that. We're at 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 14, 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 21. I'm going to read it, and then I'll pray and ask God's help for this morning, and then we'll move on from there. Remind them of these things, and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but it only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity." Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, and some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Let's pray. God, though it's my voice that's been heard as we read, we know it's your word that's been spoken. God, this morning we ask that you'd open our eyes so we can see you, that you'd open our ears so we can hear you, you'd open our hearts so we can love you, God, that you would teach us something new from your word. God, help us see your word this morning as an authority for our life, not just as another opinion about the way we could live our life, but the way, in fact, we should live our life. God, bless our time together this morning for your glory and your glory alone. And all God's people said, amen. Let's ask that first question. What do approved workers do? What do approved workers do? The first thing our text shows us is they remind others of the gospel. Approved workers remind others of the gospel. He starts like this. Remind them, them's the church in in Ephesus. Remind them of these things. Remind. Reminders are important. Last week we looked at chapter 2 and it started with verse 8 and chapter 2 verse 8 said, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Now we don't oftentimes forget Jesus, but we don't always have Jesus as the forethought in our head, do we? And, And reminders are important. Maybe you have something important you're trying to do this week, so you'll set a reminder on your phone or you'll leave a sticky note somewhere in your car or somewhere in your office to put that thing front of mind. So you never forget it. And that's kind of what he's telling us to do with Jesus. Remind them of these things. In chapter 2, verse 8, remember Jesus Christ. Reminders are important. These things, what's he talking about? Well, go with me real quick. Stay in 2 Timothy. Go back to chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. These things, they're the big things in the letter that we cannot forget. Chapter 1, verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Huh. Remind them of the gospel. The gospel is a big theme that we see 
in 2 Timothy. Chapter two, verse one, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in who? Christ Jesus. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Again, what's the main thing? What's the thing we're supposed to keep in mind? What's the thing we're not supposed to forget? It's Jesus. It's what Jesus has done for us. Chapter two, verse eight, again, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. See, something often happens uh, with, with, with Jesus, I think, in the church. We kind of, we look at Jesus as the thing that brings us into relationship with him, and then we feel like we can just graduate and move on to other things. Right, like he was the door into the relationship, but now that we've got that part covered, we can just depart and go on to bigger and better things. Why? Because that's what people do, right? We get into a house, and then that house is good enough for a while, but we want to get into a bigger, better house, so we forget that house and move on to a new one. Or we get a car, and that car is good for a while, but we kind of get sick and tired of that car. We want a bigger, better car, so we move on to a new one. Now, that's not all that bad in itself, but it does not apply to Jesus, Okay, the Christian life starts with the gospel. The Christian life stays with the gospel. It's not just something you experience and have once and then totally forget about it. Think about it like this. Do you remember the first time you had ice cream? You probably don't because you were little. It was a life-changing experience, wasn't it? (laughs) But did you have ice cream once and then say, that's pretty good, and then never have it again? Absolutely not. You partake whenever you can. Now, silly as it seems, we kind of do this thing with Jesus where we have this transformative experience with him once. We believe in the gospel, and then we're like, cool, check that box. Let's move on to something better. Friends, may it not be so with us. The Christian life begins with the gospel. The Christian life should stay with the gospel. It's an important reminder that we need. What else do approved workers do? The second thing, they charge others not to fight. They charge others not to fight. Verse 14, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words which does no good but only ruins the hearers. Charge, that's a a charged up emotional word. This isn't just kind of like, hey, can you send them a note real quick and let them know to stop fighting. It's charge. You ever been to a sporting event? Remember, that's how this works. Okay, let me know if you know what comes next. Yeah, some of you got it. Charge, it's like this emotional thing. It's not go team. No, it's charge. Charge them. This is an emotional word. This is get after them. Command them to stop fighting about words. Words, just fights that that don't matter. Nothing really all that important. You're just fighting for the sake of fighting. Now think in your marriage relationship or your dating relationship or some type of relationship you have in your life. How many times can you recall a fight you had where looking back on it, it did not even matter? Probably most of them. Fighting about things you shouldn't be fighting about. Um, I had a fight with my wife last week. We had two good ones. They were both my fault. Um, both of them had to do with fighting about words. We were arguing, it was really more so me. I was totally in the wrong, but at this point I had committed and I was like, I'm gonna win this argument. So I'm gonna, 
head down, we're going with it. Uh, we were arguing slash discussing fighting about the definition of the phrase, threw him under the bus. Now, there's one definition, and it's like you're snitching and being mean about somebody. And me, I was like, no, it's more so just being very clear about somebody and what they, and she's like, no, and twice she asked me, are you really going to fight about this? Well, I'm pretty committed to the fight at this point, so I, I should at least win. Are you really going to fight? And, 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 and yeah, it, it, stupid fights. Charge them before God not to fight about words, things that don't really matter. See, the first thing we saw, um, remind them of the gospel, remind them of the main thing. What he's doing here, he's saying, hey, remind your church, Timothy, to keep the main thing the main thing and stop fighting about stuff that really doesn't matter all that much. Okay, if you're going to fight, fight about Jesus. If you're going to fight, don't fight to win an argument. Fight to win someone closer to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is the main thing. The gospel is the main thing. So keep the main thing the main thing and stop fighting about other stuff. Why not fight? He gives us two reasons. First, it does no good. If it's not helpful, then what's the point of even doing it? Okay, and we engage in these silly arguments, even with our spouse or with our friends, and we know in the moment this does not matter at all, but man, I need to win. It does, it does no good. The second thing he says, it ruins the hearers. It ruins the hearers. When people hear Christians fight, it ruins them. And I love the word he uses here, this word ruin. See if you can, this is the Greek word. Guess if you can um, figure out the English word. The Greek word's catastrophe. Do you know the English word? Catastrophe. Right? Don't fight about silly word battles. Why? Because it's a catastrophe. It's catastrophic to those who are listening. It's not helpful. Christians are not meant to be fighters. John chapter 13 um, says quite different. John chapter 13 verse 35 says this, what we should be known for. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Not if you can win an argument, not if you know your Bible really, really well. Not if you can point out the flaws, the, the little tiny speck in everyone else's eye before noticing the log in your own. He's saying Christians need to be known for this. They need to be known for our love. Charge them not to fight. Charge them to love one another the way that Christ says we are meant to love one another. You ever met someone in your life who's incredibly loving, incredibly kind, incredibly gracious, and you go, man, I wonder what's so different about them, and then you come to find out they're a Christian, and you're like, yeah, that makes sense, right? You're, you're just noticing something, and you're like, I wonder if, and then you find out they are, and you're like, hmm, see, that's the difference. You're actually one of these love one another types. Then there's other people in your life you, you encounter, and they're really contentious. They love to fight. Um, they're rude, uh, and you find out that they claim to be Christians, and you're like, ooh, didn't see that coming, right? Why? Because one makes sense and one does not. Now, here's the problem. Even in this room and even in the church that Timothy pastored, there's people like this, people who'd rather fight than love. Hence, he's given the command, charge them to stop fighting about words. Friend, if that's you, 
this morning, if you're a fighter fighting about useless things, if you're so caught up in not keeping the main thing the main thing, but there's all these little peripheral pet doctrine things you'd love to just fight and argue about, you're not doing us any help. Okay, and just like Timothy, pastor of Ephesus, has been, char- has been told to charge them not to fight, so pastor of Highlands, me, one of them, has been charged to charge you to stop fighting. Keep the main thing the main thing and stop arguing about things that don't matter. The third thing. The third thing. What do approved workers do? They do their best for God. They do their best for God. This is what God expects of us. It's what God accepts of us. He wants our best, not just the kind of cutting corner, getting, managing our way through life, doing just okay. He wants us to do our best. He says this in verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, that means acceptable, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. What I love about this, um, and let me speak to you just from like my own kind of application. He doesn't tell Timothy to be the best pastor he tells Timothy to be the best pastor that he can be. Okay, in, in a world where everyone's highlight sermons are published on YouTube, this can be difficult. Okay, for me, why? I go online and look for a great resource. Awesome, here's another so-and-so. Pastor so-and-so from so-and-so church. Smarter than me, better than me, better at preaching, better than everything. Now I feel defeated. Why? Because I'm doing my best, but I'll never be as good as him. got to compete with the guy down the street because if I don't preach as good as him, the church is going to die because that's what this is about, right? Who could preach the best? I haven't been called to be the best pastor. I've been told that I should be the best pastor that I can be. That's the context this is written in. It's written to Timothy, a pastor of a church in Ephesus. Be the best pastor that you can be. That's his context. But what's your context? Maybe your context isn't pastor. Maybe your context is mom. Maybe your context is dad. Maybe your context is grandpa, grandma, salesman, CEO, uh, nurse, ambulance driver, the person in the back of the ambulance who does the thing that's not driving, and other things, other things, firefighter, police officer, whatever, school teacher, whatever context God has put you in, this is the command. Do your best. Not be the best, but do your best. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says this, whatever you do, work heartily. And I love this word, heartily. Other translations would say, with all of your heart. Not just with piece of it. Don't go through life cutting corners just so you can get done with the bare minimum. Do your best with all of your heart and do it for who? He says, do it for the Lord and not for men. It's the same thing Paul tells Timothy here in verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God. This whole thing isn't about being the best at whatever you do. It's about being the best that you can do because that's what God's called us to do. Here's the deal. You're not gonna be the best salesman. You're not gonna be the best boss. You're probably not gonna be the best mom. You're probably not gonna be the best dad. You're probably not gonna be the best anything. The freeing thing is, is that God has not called you to be the best in any of those categories. He's called you to do the best that you can. Okay, if you're cutting corners in life this morning, stop. 
Why? Because this is what God expects of us. Approved and acceptable behavior for his workers as his workers do the best they possibly can for his glory and for his glory alone. That's the third thing God's workers do. God's workers do their best for God. Fourth thing, what else do God's workers do? They do, they avoid ungodly babble. That's the fourth thing. They avoid ungodly babble. He's gonna revisit our speech, the words we use. He says this in verse 16, avoid irreverent, that's ungodly babble. What does ungodly mean? It means not like God. If God wouldn't say it, you shouldn't say it. If God wouldn't do it, you shouldn't do it. It's ungodly, it's irreverent babble. And I love the word babble because babble is what babies do. You know, cute little baby. She said she loves me. No, she didn't. <laughs> she didn't say that. She just said, bleep, 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 bleep. she's babbling. It's nonsense. It's important. I found out that after first service. You know, that's actually a very important step in a child's. Okay, okay, sorry about that. <laughs> Oil. <laughs> they avoid ungodly babble. Because it's nonsense, it's not useful. What are, we, what are we fighting for? He's already told us to, to not step into fights about words. Now he's telling us, stop talking nonsense. And they would have been familiar with this command already. In Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians was a letter the church in Ephesus got five years prior to the letter that Paul sent to Timothy, who remember, he's a pastor in that church. Ephesians chapter four, 29 said this, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as, go- as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Now remember the thing we learned in this passage in, in 2 Timothy chapter two is we avoid quarreling about words because it's, it's destructive. It's a catastrophe. It doesn't build up, it tears down. Paul has already told this church that. Don't use corrupting words. Why? Because it's devastating, it's catastrophic. But use words that give grace to those who hear because it builds up those who hear them. Why should we avoid talking about ungodly nonsense? Because again, he gives us some results. First he says this, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Talking about ungodly things makes people ungodly. And their talk will spread like gangrene. You ever seen a picture of gangrene? We've got a picture of gangrene up on the screen for you. No, we don't, it's disgusting. It's gross. And that's the imagery he gives us is this, it's this death, it's this rotting, it's, it's this toxic thing that happens. When we take part in ungodly babble and ungodly fights and ungodly bickering and irreverent, whatever it might be, it's nasty, nasty, nasty. It's like gangrene. The first thing he says it does, it leads people into more and more ungodliness. And then it says it spreads. It doesn't just stay with them. It actually reaches out into the community and starts infecting those around them. Then he gives us some examples. He says, among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith 
of some. He gives an example of how they've swerved. He said they've, they've been teaching the resurrection has already happened. They're, they're talking about the resurrection of believers, that all believers have already been given their glorified body, and that's not going to happen again in the future, but it's now, and, and it's not what the Scriptures teach. See, what they've done is they've departed from the main thing, and again, who is the main thing? It's Jesus. They've departed from the main thing and made this other doctrine their little pet and blown it up into something it's not. And what's the consequence? It says they are upsetting the faith of some. How do you know what's ungodly nonsense? How do you know what's irreverent babble? How do you recognize a false teaching? It's not from studying all the false teaching, but studying the right one. You've probably heard this before. How, how do we recognize things that aren't true? You familiarize yourself with truth. False teaching is only destructive to those who don't know the truth. So are you spending time in the word? Are you trying to figure out, man, what does God say? Are you trying to know what the word says so you can do what the word says so that when you experience things in life that are contrary to what the scriptures teach, you recognize them right away for what they are, ungodly, irreverent, and nasty like gangrene. It's the only way we can familiarize familiarize ourselves and prepare for that is by knowing the scriptures. Verse 19 says this, but God's firm foundation stands. See, false teaching upsets the faith of some. It's destroys and it's catastrophic, but you cannot destroy the foundation of God. God's firm foundation, it's unshakable. Bearing this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. He knows those who are in his house. And then he says this, let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. It's a perfect transition to where he takes us next. And that's the question, what do honorable vessels do? What do honorable vessels do? Now in a great house, which he just introduced us to, this house with a firm foundation, and it's his seal, so he's the owner. We're talking about the church. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable use. Vessels. He's actually talking about dishes, which is kind of a neat illustration he'd go to. Now picture this with me. This big fancy house, big fancy house, big fancy table. Now in this big fancy house, there's fancy dishes, which he calls gold and silver. So we're talking about like fine china type of stuff. And that's, it adorns the table. It's beautiful. It's reserved for the, the special occasions, the special guests, the big parties, birthdays, uh, Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, like all of these big things that you do as a family. In this great house, there's just beautiful, beautiful, special, special stuff. But within that same house, he says there's also wood and clay. This is just like the normal everyday, uh, it's like paper plates. Now, I grew up in a home with four boys, uh, and we had really, really busy sports schedules, school schedules, extracurriculars, and everything. So most of the time, our life was just transitioning to whatever was next. You've you've lived this before? Okay, so sit-down, big, pretty meals happened occasionally, but most of the time, it was just the normal paper plate type of dinner. Okay, come home from school, do some homework. Mom would throw dinner on some paper plates. You scarf it real quick. Everything goes into the trash, and you're off to your next thing. One's back to school for sports, one's this way for drama, one's this way to prep for SATs, one's that is just constant moving on to the next thing. But see, occasionally we'd stop, maybe there's a special guest in town, maybe it was a special occasion, a holiday, or a birthday party, and we'd do something honorable to honor it. We would actually gather around the dining room table, 
the room that the other 364 days of the year we weren't allowed to go into, <laughs> where the pretty curio cabinets are with glass angels and crystal whatevers and who, what's this even for?s And, 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 and we'd go into that room. It was like entering the Holy of Holies. And, ah, and there's all of these, these things happening. And, and the table would be set with like, not quite China, because it's still four boys, right? So we had like Corel. So there's still nice dishes, um, which Corel's great. Um, and we loved it. And there would be like all the dishes, the plates, the cups, and, and the everything. And it was something special. It was something honorable. It wasn't just the normal thing. It was something special. Now look what he says next, because that's the image we're supposed to have in mind. What do honorable vessels do? You can fill in this blank real quick. They cleanse themselves. They cleanse themselves. Verse 21 says this, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. Okay, so anyone in the house, paper plate or fancy china, can be used for honorable things. Here's the difference. One person cleanses themselves from what is dishonorable and becomes honorable to the Lord. Now, we're not talking about people getting saved and moving from paper plate to China because remember, we're in God's house. These are all Christians we're talking about. Now, here's the deal. Some Christians are cool with just being the paper plate kind of Christian. Kind of normal, everyday run of the mill. Those are dime a dozen. Um, they get caught up in the irreverent babble. They get caught up in fighting about words. They know Jesus, sometimes they forget about him, so they have to constantly be reminded. So because of that, they end up doing dishonorable things. That's the first type of Christian, is this paper plate type of Christian. The second type of Christian he talks about is those who have been cleansed. Those who have been, one, forgiven for, of their sins by Jesus and then constantly rebuke their sins and repent of their sins, cleanse themselves so that they become honorable. They become something more. They become something special. And I, love, I know in the church we get, like, God's sovereignty is a thing, and I believe it, and I trust it. But sometimes we just say, you know, this is where God's put me, and it is what it is. He's just made me to be a paper plate Christian. He's just made me to do the normal thing. He made me to be like everyone else. But then why would he say, if anyone cleanses themselves, they can do something more with their life? John chapter 13, Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. At first, they're like, no, this is disgusting. Peter says, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, I need to wash your feet. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my feet, because this is Peter, right? He's like, I don't get it. And then he says, we got to do it. And then Peter says, then I'm all in. And Jesus is like, Peter, you still don't get it. Also, my hands and my head, Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. But he's completely clean. What's going on here? See, if you are in Christ, you are completely clean except for your feet. Why? Because Christians still live in a dirty world and dirty world people do dirty world things. So what do we do? We cleanse ourselves from what is dishonorable. We come back to Jesus and we say, Jesus, you are the main thing. And I don't know what that thing is in your life. Maybe it's uh, a sexual immorality type of thing. Maybe it's, uh, you know, let's just look at a list. There's a great list. Let's look at this. Galatians chapter five. Now the works of the flesh are evident. They're obvious. 
People know these things. They're not that hard to figure out. And, and if one of these things is in your life, you probably know it because it's evident um, and we don't necessarily need a list to see if it's in our life or not. You probably know what that thing is that's keeping you as being a paper plate Christian and doing the dishonorable thing instead of becoming an honorable dish and vessel for the Lord. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions. This is all of the things we just talked about in this passage. It's the words of word fight. It's the ungodly babble. It's about making mountains out of molehills and forgetting the main things. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you. As I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, if you want to be a paper plate Christian and you want to just do the normal thing that everyone else is doing and still be in the family of God, that's on you. I want nothing to do with that in my own life. I don't want to be normal. I don't want to be one who's in the family of God but does dishonorable things. I don't want to be another dime a dozen Christian who's just here, who just takes the grace of God, abuses the grace of God, and then nothing happens with my life other than I die and go be with Jesus, which is a great thing. But while I'm here, I want to do more. I don't know where you're at this morning. If you're cool being the paper plate thing, if you're saying, you know what, I'm over that. Been there, done that a thousand times. I want something new. I want my life to please God. I want my life to honor God. I want my life to be useful. I want my life to be set apart. I want my life. I want to be ready to do every good work that God has called me to be. Therefore, I'm done with this. I will get rid of what's dishonorable. God, I repent of those things and I want to walk in the newness of life that you purchased for me on the cross. And in doing so, because I repent of the worldly things, the things that get my feet dirty, the things that help me, kind of force me to become more like this paper plate, everyday, normal type of Christian. God, I want to get rid of those things so that I can be used for you. So I can do something honorable with my life. So I can do something special for God. So that when God calls me to go somewhere, I am ready for it. Where are you at this morning? Do you want to do that? Because I don't want to do it alone. I want to have a church family. I want to have friends. I want to have people that I love go through my life with me so that we, the church, Highland Church, can be set apart, can be useful, can be ready for whatever God would call us to go do. Why? Because we're done being a paper plate Christian. We're done being a paper plate church and we are moving on to something bigger, something better, something more purposeful, something more honorable with our life. Do you want to do that with me? then how do we do it? It says we come to Jesus, we forsake our sin, we rebuke it, we repent, and we say, Jesus, I'm all yours. You've cleansed me once, would you cleanse me again so that I can be useful and honorable for you? This morning, we have an opportunity to take communion, and in communion, it gives us a chance to do three things. One, it gives us an opportunity to look back at what Christ has done for us, because remember, that's the main thing And we gotta keep the main thing the main thing and the main thing is Jesus. We look back at what Christ has done for us, that he lived a perfect life that we couldn't live. He died on a cross to pay the penalty that we deserved to pay and then he rose again defeating death so we can live with God forever. We look back and see what he has done. Secondly, we look in. 
And based on the things we've learned this morning in 2 Timothy, I think looking in means asking this question, God, what type of Christian am I? Am I a paper plate Christian? Am I the normal thing? I accept your grace, I abuse it, I, I still go to heaven because I'm in the house. Am I that or am I this? Am I something more? Am I honorable? Am I useful? Am I ready to do every good thing for Jesus? And then finally, we look forward because, friends, someday Christ will come back and he will bring us home to live with him in his perfect house forever. If you're gonna serve us communion, go ahead and serve. I'll be back up to lead us through it in just a moment. On the night Jesus was arrested, he was with his disciples in an upper room and they were enjoying a meal together. And during the meal, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this bread represents my body broken for you. Would you do this in remembrance of him? In the same way, he took a cup and he said, this cup represents the new covenant of my blood which is poured out for you. Would you do this in remembrance of him? I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you want to do something different with your life. Maybe you want to be something more. Maybe you want to do something special. Maybe you want to live a life that truly honors God. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something. Maybe you've been the paper plate Christian for a while and you're going to say, you know what, this morning I'm done with it. I'm moving on to better things. Or maybe that's where you're at this morning. You've made a commitment long ago that you would do something different, that you would truly be different for Christ and for his glory and for the purpose of his kingdom. And you said, you know what, this morning, I'm going to recommit that and say, I still want to be different. If that's you this morning, if you want to join me in being different, I just ask you to stand. Amen. God, would we be a church that's different? Would we be a church that truly honors you, that truly glorifies you, God, that the main thing in our life really is the main thing, God, that our sole purpose and focus is fixated on your son, Jesus Christ, and what he did for us. God, would it be the reason we get out of bed in the morning? Would it be the reason we engage people in conversation? God, would it be the only thing we fight for? Would we fight for the cross, not fight with people to make an enemy, but fight for you that we might have more and more brothers and sisters come to know you. God, we love you. We praise you. Help us do something different. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Hey, if you wanna make a decision this morning to join the family of God, we'd love to see you down front and talk to you about Jesus. Howland's Church, go be different. Love each other.